Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The in-season edition of the Philacrosophy podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time. He was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s and led them to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that was dunked on by Gary Gate during the original Airgate. Oxia Time makes beautiful Swiss-made automatic watches whose design and quality match the significance of the universities they represent. Andy and I can attest to the quality. We each own our own Brown University Oxia watch, and it's really one of the nicest things we own. Initially licensed by the eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia creates are championship watches. You have to check out the championship watches they create for both the UVA and Penn lacrosse teams. They are incredible and something those players wear every day. For players, parents, coaches listening, please consider getting an Oxia Time Championship watch when your conference or national champion. Whether you're a parent, player, or coach, you should really consider getting an Oxia Time Championship watch when your team wins their conference or the national championship. Check them out. Check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A Time. Com. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to be back on the in-season podcast with PLL Chaos head coach, Andy Towers. Andy, how's it going today, man? Great. How you feeling? Doing well, man. Fired up to be here. Fired up to be talking lacrosse. Unbelievable weekend uh, to talk about and, and a great weekend coming up. Um, before we get started, though, Andy and I have decided that we're going to uh, begin each podcast with just a conversation about a topic, um, current event, something that we find interesting. Um, and so we're going to kick it off with this. This past weekend was the closing of the Carrier Dome, the last lacrosse games ever to be played in the Dome with the roof the way it is. They're going under construction, the last game of the season. And Maryland women's lacrosse was supposed to play at Syracuse. And there was a threat of snow. Uh, So Maryland decided that they weren't going to go up there. And so Gary Gate, you know, said, all right, well, we'll come down and play you guys down there. And um, after a little bit of a back and forth about officials, um, Syracuse apparently paid for the officials, got the officials squared away at Maryland because there was some kind of confusion going on. And at the end of the day, goes down to Maryland, plays Maryland, wins 10-5. And I just want to talk about this because it didn't really come up too much. It seems like a scenario that is a little different. And I also think that if this were to happen in other sports, it would have been blown up. So I, I want to get your opinions on this, AT. Well, let me first start by saying that I'm so glad that our topic this week isn't the coronavirus because I just don't have a lot of background. Um, I had a tough enough time getting to my personal nutrition class uh, when I was a freshman at Brown um, and got there so infrequently, I, I abruptly failed the course. And so, no, anything, no, you didn't because there's no, you cannot fail at Brown. Well, it's I took it for great, which shows you how much I was paying attention during my freshman year. But still, uh, it's ABC, no credit. It's like you never took the class, Andy. Yeah, oh, that's right. I never took it. Check my record. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a relief. So, uh, yeah, you know, I had, uh, I had been obviously watching all the games and following the games throughout the weekend and, and heard what was going on. I mean, it's just baffling. Like, uh, uh, imagine, imagine it's 1991 and <laughs> Dave Cottle and Maryland are supposed to head on up from Loyola to go play, you know, whatever, Dom, to play us at Brown. And the threat of snow prevents them from making the trip. Not even a full-on storm. I mean, listen, a full-on storm, you can definitely empathize with the thought process. Um, But the threat of snow? Well, there's always a threat of snow in Syracuse. 
Well, there's always a threat of snow everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be, it could be, there's a threat of snow everywhere. There's a threat of rain everywhere. There's a threat of a tsunami everywhere. <laughs> I just don't, I, 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 I struggle with that. And then yeah. clearly uh, Gary saw blood and listen, it sounds like he did everything he could to keep the game going. And the Terps, as he should, ran out of reasons to not play and eventually played. It's shocking, though, you know, because Maryland is obviously the premier team of the decade and probably the best ever. women's lacrosse program ever with, no without a lot of gray area, right? And, no and gray area. They, they, they won 86 straight games at home recently. Yeah. Lost their first game at home. I mean, like, literally, they've won, I don't know how many. They've had every Tauraton winner. They've won every championship. I mean, they, they, it's just insane. It seems so out of character for them to not play that game. You know, if, if anything, given their slow start to this season relative to every other season that they've had, you would think that, hey, you know, of all the times, this is the time to go play. There's not a lot of pressure on that. If anything, the pressure up in the Dome last game is on Syracuse in this instance. So yeah. that's kind of surprising. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not in their locker room, so I don't know, but I would think that as a coach, it's, we're going to go play no matter what. Um, but Gary's got to feel good about getting the first laugh as well as the last laugh in this situation. No doubt. All right, let's move on. AT's top 20, number 20, Lehigh at four and one. Uh, so this is, uh, we're starting to get a feel for all these teams, you know, and, and, and. You know, there were eight different teams that I felt could hold this number 20 spot. Um, in the end, I ended up going with Lehigh at four and one. Their wins over Utah, VMI, NJIT, and Navy. To me, clearly Utah and Navy are perceived as the greatest quality. Probably struggled the most with VMI. I mean, they, they, they barely won that game. Uh, you know, they played a good game against Virginia. They lost 12-8. You know, they're 4-1. and one. Uh, I know they have good players. They got a dominant face-off guy. I just don't know what to do with them. They don't have any true wins. Um, and the one really, really talented team that they played, they played well but lost. So I have them at 20, just ahead of Hobart, St. Joe's, Stony Brook, Providence, and Richmond. All right, number 19, Army. Uh, Army's, I, they're also in that group. Um, I have them just ahead of Lehigh because they pounded UMass 17-4, to and that, that result really stuck out to me. Um, they have a pretty similar resume to Lehigh. The only caveat is that Army got pounded by Marist 17-9. to Yeah. And, you know, the, the reason – I had him ahead of Lehigh is because I just feel like that Marist result is an aberration based on what Bucknell was able to do to them this past weekend. Um, you know, and, and so I've got Army right ahead of Lehigh, but, but easily that could be flip-flop. And now another Patriot League team, number, number 18, the 5-1 and one Bucknell Bisons. Yeah, to me, Bucknell uh, is in that same 18 group. Uh, you know, but, but is the most deserving of those eight teams to be the highest ranked. They're five and one. They pounded Maris by nine or 10 goals that, that beat Army so soundly in addition to beating, uh, you know, four other below top 20 ranked teams. They played Ohio State really well. They just couldn't finish the deal, losing to them 14-10. They have no bad losses. Five and one, Bucknell's playing well. Their offense is really, really dangerous, putting up a lot of goals. My boy RD getting that done. Uh, and they got another test in BU that, you know, BU's a little bit down with the, with the transfer of Chris Gray, but um, it's still going to be a stern test. As you know, Poley does a great job of preparing his teams to play. So I expect this to be a tough game for Bucknell. They need to win this game. You know, they, they really need to win this yeah. game, and I think they will. I got Bucknell uh, at 18 firmly. The Patriot League is such a gauntlet, you know. There's just teams that, like, 
are going to be hard to beat. You won't get much credit for beating them, but you got to beat them. Um, and it happens every single year that this, this gauntlet of, you know, 10 teams in the league, nine league games. That's um, real quick. Um, have you seen Bucknell play this year? Have you been able to see them? Uh, I've seen just a little bit, not a lot. Are they still 10 men riding like, like, uh, like they usually do? Um, honestly, I didn't notice it when I watched them play. Uh, you know, but this is a team similar to Villanova where the coaching staff just gets it done every single year. And, you know, they're a tough team to prepare for. They're unique defensively. They, yeah. again, they, they have a great ride. They always have a good face-off guy. It seems like they always have a good goalie. Um, you know, and it seems like they have players that, you know, maybe just missed on certain other schools in the recruiting process and make those coaches pay in a very visible and statistical way throughout their careers there. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great to see. All right. Number 17, Ohio state coming off a tough loss, home loss against Cornell. We all know Cornell is an excellent team. And Ohio State really looked apart like they could be a top 10 team in some ways, but were really sloppy in other ways that held them back. Yeah, this is a tough team to figure out. You know, I watched the Cornell game on Sunday, and at times, like you said, I was really impressed with Ohio State. Uh, they didn't quit. They played hard. Their faceoff guy was lights out against a very good faceoff group from Cornell. Um, you know, but they just couldn't quite get over the hump. In fact, Cornell had a chance to win this by three. They They had an open net with up by two with about a minute and 15 seconds left. They missed it. Sure enough, Ohio State goes down and scores and then almost almost comes back to tie it. Uh, but they just couldn't quite get it done. They do have an impressive win over Bucknell, 14-10. to 10. They beat BU. Uh, they beat Detroit Mercy. But they have, have a loss to UMass, uh, which is turning out to actually going to be a good loss for them um, and a close loss to Cornell. So I think this team is a really good team, but their body of work – hasn't shown us anything to be ranked higher than 17. Frankly, they're, they're, they're probably fortunate to even be in the top 20 based on their body of work, although they do have a win over Bucknell, and Bucknell I have is a firm 18. So I got them at 17, um, and I think that this team is better than 17th in the country. How good is Tarafanko, though? What a beast. Yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete and great to watch. Uh, he's going he's gonna to be great in PLL. He looks like he should be a uh, NFL special teams guy. He does. He should tie up the back of his jersey with, with uh, athletic tape. That looked tough as hell. <laughs> All right, number sixteen, Denver. Denver, yep, uh, three and two. You know the difference between Denver and Ohio State because Denver doesn't have, you know, much of a body of work either. Their lone win is a thirteen to seven win over Air Force, and then they've beaten St. Bonnie's in, in Cleveland State. They've lost two close games to Duke and Carolina that were almost carbon copies of each other as it relates to the way the game went. They fell down really, really big early to both Duke and Carolina and then rallied back at the end to make the score look good. But I don't think they were ever really, you know, in a position to, to win the game, so to speak. Yeah. It's yeah. like two close scores, but not yeah, necessarily two close, two close games. Yeah. Exactly. And so they've got, you know, an opportunity to get, a really high quality win versus Notre Dame in their next game. If they do that, I can see them moving up a little bit. And if they don't, they could, they could move down based on what happens to this teams behind them. Um, you know, I think it's a good team. I don't think they're at the level where they were, you know, for that run of five, six, seven years in a row. Clearly they're, they are not. Um, but I still, still think this is a team that, that can potentially win the big East, but I think it starts Saturday or Sunday, whenever they play Notre Dame, this is a huge game, a huge game for both teams, but a bigger game for, for Denver, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we know that Denver is going to get it done from a coaching perspective, but it, but it does require talent to win games. And when they were winning, going to Final Fours every year and winning championships, they had off-the-charts talent that are, that are all still playing, you know, in the NLL. Yeah. <laughs> and well, some PLL and yeah. some MLL. I mean, honestly, like player after player after player. Um, Connor Canizaro, Wesley Bird, Tyler Pace, Zach Miller. I mean, do you remember Zach Miller? That guy was just insane, honestly. And he was kind of underrated. I mean, no one talks about him, but he was, might have been the best, best player on that team. 100%. And then you factor in the impact of Trevor Baptiste winning, you know, 75 to 80% for four years and giving all those 
dangerous offensive players, possession after possession. You know, it's it's easy to see why they won when they won, the rate that they won. Yeah. But almost kind of shocking that they didn't win a few more. Yeah. All right, number 15, Georgetown, another Big East team. Yeah. You know, listen, Georgetown's playing really, really well. They're 5-0. and But they haven't played many teams that you would look at and say, you know, that's a really stiff test. They pounded Lafayette. They beat UMBC, who we know was very well coached. They pounded Fairfield. They beat Mount St. Mary's and Bellarmine, right? So they have, so they really have kind of like no, no quality wins at this right. point. But they also, you know, don't have any losses. So they're undefeated. But when you haven't played any teams in the top 20 and you're undefeated, I have a tough time ranking you higher than 15, although I think this team is a top 10 team. But they got to prove it. They got to play some great, great teams and they got to win those games for them to move up. Yep, no doubt. All right, number 14, Duke at four and two. So Duke, you know, they have two top 20 wins. They've beaten Denver 15 to 13. They've beaten Richmond 16 to 15 in a real close game. Uh, so, you know, that to me shows that they can play at a very high level. They also lost to Penn at home. Uh, that's a real high quality win. The Air Force loss is not holding up as Air Force um, – you know, has not played well in the last two, three weeks. So that Air Force loss to me is really the anchor on Duke's resume right here. Um, you know, I think they, they can beat anybody, but I think that also at times they look uninspired. Um, but they're playing better as of late. And so 14, I feel like, is a, is a good spot for them. All right, number 13, UMass, pretty much the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team able to knock off Yale. Um, and, you know, one, one week they, they don't look great. One week they look phenomenal. Yeah, this exactly. But, but when you do look at their entire season, they're three and two. They've played three ranked teams. Yeah. They've beaten two of them. They beat Ohio State 9-7, and they just beat Yale in a huge game on Saturday. And, and, and so those are two really good wins. They also beat uh, UMass Lowell. But, but the Jekyll and Hyde aspect is, is very understandable. You know, they get the doors blown off by Army 17 to 4. Right. And even though that was just a disaster, it's still only one loss and two a ranked team. Right. And so it's really not that big of a deal, but you, you, but you had low aspirations for them after seeing that opening result. They well, played Jerry. Go ahead. And they also lost to Harvard, you know, and yeah. um, Harvard loses to Albany. UMass is playing Albany today, so we'll see. But, you know, Harvard. And Harvard is a well-coached team, and they've got good athletes, and there's no question about it. But you would just expect a team that's going to, like, be up 11-2 to on Yale is going to be able to handle Harvard, you know, in the first year of the Jerry Burton regime. No question, but, but that's discounting the amount of passion and momentum that, you know, Harvard was using since the hire of Jerry Byrne, not to mention he's playing yeah. against his alma mater. And, and, you know, there were a lot of factors For there sure. that – that put the pressure on UMass. Um, and so I wasn't surprised. I actually picked Harvard in that game when we went through it. So I wasn't surprised by that. Um, what I was surprised by, though, was, was UMass stepping up and beating Yale the way right. that they did. And it wasn't just a fluke because they also beat Ohio State as well. So I like, yeah. uh, I like UMass with two top 20 wins as uh, 13. I mean, their resume is excellent. And, um, you know, Ohio State, I think, is going to turn out to be a solid win. I mean, I, I like that team. Um, and I think the Yale win, obviously, is going to hold up. And, I mean, what, what domination, though, to go up 11-2 to against Yale? Um, I mean, unbelievable. Did you watch that game? Uh, I, I was going back and forth. So I was watching a few different games. I watched a little bit of it. You know, what's shocking is that T.D. Erlen was killing. Right on the face-offs and you would think that just that's just such an aberration for Yale you know they almost never beat themselves in this game they did and, and, and listen I don't want to discount UMass I mean UMass oh. went out and beat them and, and I'm not saying they did yeah, they, they did they deserved the win it's just the, that you know one the week before you're picking Harvard over UMass and then they come back you know what I'm saying so that's that's kind of the Jekyll and Hyde piece of it you know you don't even probably know necessarily who you're going to get but obviously they can they can play at the highest level um, but this is also Division One lacrosse, and you know there's about 40 teams or 50 teams that can all beat each other on a given day. That's exactly right. 
All right, how about number 12, Villanova, three and two? So Villanova uh, has been playing great. I think they're on a three-game winning streak here. Obviously, their resume, uh, you know, is, is, is peaked with the 13-12 to 12 win over Maryland. They also have a 10-8 win over Hofstra and a 19-10 win over Delaware, two other pretty good teams. Um, and their only two losses are Penn State 19-10 to 10 and Yale 18-12. to 12. They played a really, really tough schedule. And they're 3-2 and two with a signature win over Maryland. No bad losses. They got a big weekend coming up playing two local rivals, Penn on Friday night and Drexel on Sunday. This is a big weekend for Villanova. They'd love to get both, but I think even if they split, they're still in a good spot. AT, how come Villanova isn't higher? On your poll, you know, because they're three and two, uh, they have two losses. Um, you know, I, I've got them ranked as the second highest two loss team out of all of my rankings. You know, you can see from the way that I grouped the teams in the top twenty. I've got you know my first grouping is one through nine, which we'll eventually cover. My second grouping is ten through seventeen, and Villanova is the third ranked team. You know, out of that second group. And they do have two losses, you know. Now they've played two great teams, but they got they got beaten, you know, pounded by Penn State, and they got beaten, you know, thoroughly by Yale. Now it was a closer game than the score indicates, yep. but still they lost by six goals. Um, so I think twelve is is a fair spot for them. They only have one top twenty win. That's Maryland and Hofstra and Delaware. You know, are are good wins over you know traditionally strong yeah. teams, but they're not top twenty teams. No, they're not. But, I mean, uh, Maryland being a top five. I mean, generally, at the end, you know, your top five wins usually carry a ton of weight. So, I mean, obviously, it's early. It doesn't even really matter that much. But I was just curious on your thought process. All right. So, on number 11, Loyola at four and one. Yeah. You know, you could argue that Loyola is ranked way too high on my list here. You know, they don't have any top 20 wins. With that said, their wins are Johns Hopkins, 10 and 7, which we thought was – which was a top 20 win at the time when they won. They beat Rutgers – you know, in a nail-biter where they went up and then gave up the lead late and Rutgers almost beat them. They beat Towson, which in the beginning of the year we thought was going to be a good win, but it, but it hasn't been because Towson hasn't had a great season, but they counted them 15-6. They beat Lafayette, right? Their only loss is to Virginia, 12-9, first game of the year. Um, they're 4-1. They're a really well-coached team. They seem to be a little bit more defensive and less offensive than in years past. While they don't have a top 20 win, the optics of watching this team play a few times, knowing their coaches, and the fact that they have no bad losses other than a loss to Virginia 12-9, returning national champion, I think this is good. But, I, but, but if somebody said they're ranked too high based on your criteria, I could say, yeah, you're probably right. They are, um, you know, seeing that they've only played one ranked team. But they got Duke coming up this weekend, and this is a big game for both them and Duke. You know, uh, and and the winner of that game is is going to be ranked higher next week. Number ten, Notre Dame at two and one. Yeah, this is this was. Uh, you know, I, I feel like a good spot for them. They, I, I've ranked them the top team in my second group. Uh, Notre Dame at two and one. They beat Cleveland State. They beat Richmond. Beat them really good, thirteen to five, which was a real impressive win considering how closely Richmond has played some great teams, Maryland, Duke, um, you know, this season. So to beat them that thoroughly put them up high last week for me. Um, but they got beaten up pretty good by Maryland. They battled for a little while, but Maryland ended up pulling away 14 to nine. What shocked me was that Maryland's faceoff guy, Shockey, ended up beating Charlie Leonard. I thought Leonard would beat him, and I thought Notre Dame's defense would hold Maryland's offense better than Maryland's would be able to hold Notre Dame's. And I was wrong on all fronts. And Maryland beat them soundly, 14-9. to um, Big week coming up for Notre Dame. They've got Denver and Ohio State. So, But to this point, 2-1, and one, they have a win over a ranked team. They have a loss to a ranked team. Uh, you know, I think this is a fair spot for them. All right, number nine, Penn. Yeah, Penn has played the toughest schedule to date uh, based on the fact that they've played three games. And it's been Duke, Maryland, and Penn State. I mean, what a three-game opening for Mike Murphy. I mean, really schedules the absolute hardest teams that he can get. Um, and listen, they've beaten Duke 14-11. They've 
They lost a two-goal game to Maryland where they were up six goals going into the fourth quarter. They played Penn State back and forth, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't die. They were down at times two goals and maybe even three goals or four goals, or maybe four goals at one point, and they came all the way back to tie it up and go into overtime and lost by a goal. Penn could easily be the number one team in the country unanimously, um, but they did lose you know, two games. But they've also played <laughs> two games without Sam Hanley, arguably the best player in the whole country or one of the top three, I think. And they have no bad losses. They got doesn't get any easier for them. They're playing Villanova, who I got ranked 12 this week. They're playing St. Joe's, who uh, has been a great program. And Penn has done this without Sam Hanley. While he played in the Maryland game, he wasn't in uniform for either the Duke or the Penn State game. And they won one of those games. Uh, you know, so this is a team that is is a threat to beat anybody without Sam Hanley. And when he comes back, it's not unrealistic to think that this isn't a team that's going to be playing for the national championship. They move the ball so well in offense. Gallagher is, you know, 1A in terms of the best faceoff guys in the country between him and Ireland. Um, you know, and, and I just expect them to go on a massive winning streak here. You know, will it start with Villanova on Friday? I think they'll beat Villanova, but they could lose to Villanova. Villanova's beaten them, you know, in years past. But even if they do, I still think this is a team that is 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 one of the very best top, you know, top four or five teams in the country when they're when they've got all their players and they're playing on, um, you know, their best. But the Ivy League is really really tough this year, so they, uh, you know, hopefully they didn't schedule themselves out of making the tournament. You know, if they go in the Ivy league and they go four and two, which is not unrealistic at all. You know, they could, they could lose to Princeton and Yale and Cornell. I don't see them losing to Harvard. I don't see them losing to Dartmouth and I don't see them losing to Brown. Um, you know, but I, but I can see them losing, you know, to, to two or three of those top teams. And if that happens and they also, you know, lose to Villanova, this is a team that, might be one of the best teams in the country, but might be struggling to get to the tournament, Jamie. Yeah, well, that's that's because it's going to be hard for any conference to get four teams into the NCAA tournament. And right now, you know, it's very early, but they're the fourth team of the four Ivy League teams that are ranked right now. And somebody's going to end up being the fourth ranked team of the four Ivy League teams. And there's a chance that not, you know, that it's very difficult to get four teams into the NCAA tournament. No, no question. You know, I, 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 I grouped. My top 20, I said, into three groups. Penn I have with the top nine teams in the country. Um, but I have them as the ninth of those teams. Hey, give me an update on uh, your opinion on the, on the Gallagher-Arceri face-off matchup from this past week. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think Gallagher dominated the game. Arceri won a big one late. But I, I, Gallagher is the better player. I mean, Gallagher, to me, is right there with TD as – you know, one and one A. I, you know, TD, TD, based on his entire body of work through college, is you have to look at him as the best, right? But those two guys are are about dead even, in my opinion. You know, if if those guys are going to go in, in the PLL draft, um, you know, in the first two rounds, in my opinion. All right. So number eight, Yale at two and one, coming off a tough loss at UMass. Yeah, kind of a kind of a weird loss for Yale as we've said you know they just haven't seemed to lose these type of games and we knew UMass was going to play them well they always do they're super tough there's a ton of mutual respect there coach Cannella knows Andy Shea as well as anybody and Andy knows coach Cannella as well as anybody the pressure's on Yale in this game just based on the success they've had in the last you know four or five years um and UMass took advantage of it I, I was shocked I would never have thought that UMass would have won the game I do think that you know, four goals or whatever the line was on this that UMass could cover that. Um, but I, but I, again, I thought Yale would win. I thought Yale would, would cover that too. Um, but you look at their resume and they're two and one. They have two ranked wins over Villanova and Penn State. They have a loss to, based on last week's poll was UMass, which was out of the top 20. And so, you know, I, I have them ranked at eight. You know, I think that they're, I think they're probably in the top four or top three, but, you know, coming off a, a, a loss to unranked UMass, which will be ranked this week, 
I think that eight just ahead of Penn, just below Cornell is fair. All right, number seven, Cornell, they're 4-0. And despite losing and really being dominated by the face-off core from Ohio State, uh, they win the game. They score a lot of goals. They play. They play a great brand of lacrosse too, don't they? They're so fun to watch. They are. They're a really, really good team. But you know, this is a team that, with a league, in, in a league with Yale and Penn, and their respective faceoff guys that they have to battle. You know, are they going to be able to beat those teams? And with Penn State coming, I think to Ithaca this weekend, this Sunday, they're going to be in for a really tough test. They got a pretty good resume. You know, they held on to beat Ohio State, which hasn't beaten anybody yet, right, except Bucknell. Uh, they beat up on Torps pretty well in high point by 10. They beat Towson by 7. They pounded Albany. You know, their resume is not – doesn't blow you away, right? Ohio State's only top 20 win. But they're 4-0, and they've looked really, really good when you watch them play. Their offense is really scary. If they can win 40% of the faceoffs – Against everybody that they play, they're a threat to win all the rest of their games and win the national championship. They are. They've got. They've got the pieces. The goaltending is is great now. Um, you know their offense is is super unique. You can't replicate the kind of interior passing that these guys play with, and so that makes them a really tough team to hold down on game day, regardless of how accurate your scout is. So um, I, I think they're going to go. I think they're going to beat all the teams that they can win 40% or more of the face-offs on. I, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I stand by that. But, but this team needs to win face-offs in order to win the national championship. But they're absolutely in the top group of teams in the country, in the top nine, and I've got them at seven. I agree. I really like them. I, they also – they play hard as hell, too. I mean, they're, they, they played hard. I mean, so did Ohio State. I mean, that was, that was a really – both of those teams played really, really hard. That's the thing out about Cornell right now, though, also, is just that – Piatelli is a bona fide ball carrying threat that can create against poles. And they've got, it seems to be athletes all over the place that can run by people. Uh, Donville, you know, the number three, the righty Canadian who was the Mythal cup MVP, great player. And then Teat is just an X factor. I mean, Teat, let's just not forget that Teat went in, went into senior lacrosse and was the MVP this year as, as a rookie in senior lacrosse. And you have a bunch of those guys on your PLL roster. You've been watching NLL lacrosse the last two weeks, doing some commentating. You know, these are all the same guys in that league, and he's the MVP as a rookie, as a 21-year-old. Yeah, it blows you away. Just that that, that, that really is, it blows you away when you think about how good all of those players are. Um, but I think you're right. I think that Piatelli has, has, has tra- changed this team. And while he's not quite Mikey Sowers, or Grant Amen, he's one of, the, I think, the top five best ex-attackmen in the country. Yeah. And he's changed this team. He's taken a lot of pressure off of Jeff Teat. The guy, Long, Michael Long, is that his name, the freshman? He's also been a shot in the arm for them. They've gotten uh, some great midfield scoring, so they're balanced offensively. Salvatore is probably the second best LSM in the country, or close to it. And they got great goaltending. You know, and, and, and so if they're able to win faceoffs and they're able to play inspired team defense, which they are, they seem connected, even though they don't have, you know, a defenseman that, that you look at their roster and say, that guy's a first team All-American. He's going to cover Michael Sowers when they play. He's going to cover Amen when they play. You know, I think that they, they get it done cumulatively by how dangerous the other aspects of their team are. And as you referenced earlier in your point, they play so hard. And that's the culture of this Cornell program. All these Cornell teams have always played like that. They take pride in that. They're unified by that. Uh, they just do the work. They simply do the work and they play fast. And when they have the talent, you see teams like this that could go on and, and do damage um, in May. Number six, Virginia at four and one. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, another team that can win it all. I think really any of these top nine teams could win it all. Uh, they're 4-1. They have two top 20 wins, Loyola Lehigh. They've also beaten High Point and Air Force. High Point gave them a scare on Tuesday night, but they held on and were able to win that game. They have one loss, which is to Princeton, who's undefeated and, and playing great. Um, you know, so I think that uh, – I think they're deserving of six. You know, I, I, I frankly think they're a top four team overall, 
But right now, based on their where they are currently going to Brown, um, you know, Virginia is uh, is locked in at six. Headed up to Brown, a little homecoming for uh, Lars Tiffany, 1990 grad and, and two-time captain at Brown. Um, great opportunity for uh, for us to uh, give a little plug for the Bruins, and hopefully they can get a W. Yeah, I'd love to see them do it. They've they've struggled, man. They've lost some some real heartbreakers, some one goal games this season. I'd love to see. They almost beat Virginia down at Virginia last year. They were up by four goals, I think, late in the game, uh, or maybe going into the fourth quarter. They they had their chances. They could have won the game, uh, and they didn't. And that was part of the you know Virginia's miracle run of one goal games. I think it's great that Lars takes Virginia up to Brown. You know, teams like Virginia and Duke and some of those you know, really, really high profile programs. Yeah. They don't need to travel. You know, yeah. they got people begging to play them. And the fact that Lars is willing to travel to Brown, um, you know, as a returning national champion, it, it says a lot about him and what he's trying to do to move the sport forward. So I, I'm, I'm pumped to watch this game. Number five, Penn state at four and one. Yeah. This is another great team that could win it all. Um, they also have two wins over top 20 programs. They've beaten Penn by one, Villanova by 19. They've also beaten Lafayette and St. Joe's and they lost to Yale 12-10, you know, where Yale was the better team start to finish that day. Um, but they've got two top 20 wins and one loss. They played Cornell this weekend on Sunday. I mean, what a schedule Penn State's playing really? first half of the year. It really is incredible. So four and one, I feel right. I feel great about this team as well. Penn State, Virginia, uh, Yale, uh, you know, it's a team that I think is 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 could win it all again. I, I think any of these top nine teams, I feel like, have separated themselves. But Penn State at five, I feel good based on their body work right there. Number four, Maryland. Maryland, I could argue, should be number one. And, and when I was putting this together, I had them number one. Uh, you know, for a big part of it, I, I settled on them at number four simply because. The three teams ahead of them are all undefeated and, and have top 20 wins, but nobody has what Maryland has, and that's a win over three ranked teams, Richmond, Penn, and Notre Dame, most recently over Notre Dame by five goals, and Notre Dame was undefeated going into that game. Their lone loss is Villanova by one goal, um, you know, but they played four ranked teams. They have three wins, and so I could argue they should be number one on the list. Um, but I have them at four because they do have a loss and there are three undefeated teams that have top 20 wins. They play Albany this weekend. And I think that they're going to take care of business there. I mean, if Maryland can hold you to, if Maryland can hold people down the way they held Notre Dame to, to nine goals, you know, they're a huge threat because their offense is special. Well, there's no question about it. And, and the key is the faceoff guy, you know, Shockey, when they played Yale, those guys got beat up, you know, and, and, when they're able to win faceoffs and their offense gets the nobody's stopping their offense. But I also think that nobody's stopping Penn State's offense. I don't think anybody's stopping Penn's offense. I don't think anybody's stopping Cornell's offense. Yale's offense to me isn't quite as good of those as those other teams, but their faceoff guy is so good that he makes them that dangerous. Um, so you know the, the key in that Notre Dame game is just complete domination at the X. All right, number three, Syracuse. Uh, yep. I know a lot of people feel like this is the number one team in the country. Their midfield might be the best. I, I do love those guys. They're really, really dynamic. Um, you know, at four and they they have two top 20 wins over army and Hobart. The Hobart game was a really good game back and forth until Syracuse, you know, pulled away in the middle of the second half. And they also have a hard fought win over army nine, seven. They have no losses, um, and they got Hopkins next, and, and, and Hopkins is not playing well. And I think Syracuse is going to be 5-0 and after the weekend. Syracuse has weapons. They have four or five different guys that have scored five goals in a game in their 4-0. Wow. You know, with Tucker Dordovic with 5-2 and two against Hobart, Brendan Curry with 5-1, and one, and you know, we know that Chase Scanlon – had, I don't know, seven goals in the first game. And I think Rafis might have had like a five-goal game early on. I mean, they've, they've, got, they've got guys that can fill it up. No question about it. It's a really scary team. They're playing, you know, with uh, reacquired swagger. And, you know, when Syracuse plays freely and, 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 and 
runs with scissors while playing with matches by the pool. They are after they after they went in the pool like thirty within thirty minutes after eating. Right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly right. You know, this is a team I could have ranked one, but I ranked them three. All right, um, North Carolina, number two, coming off a huge win at Denver. Um, really, just like you said, the score looked close, but the game really wasn't that close. Yeah, exactly right. You know, I'm so happy for Joe Bresci, Carolina. They, after winning the national championship a few years, they've, they've, they've lost some really tough games. They've lost a bunch of those games to Denver. It seems like every year Denver was able to find a way to win by one or two goals. And that had to be frustrating. So to go up on them so big out there in Denver and hang on for the win for their for their only top 20 win. But they also have a win over Hopkins, who's not doing so well, but they pounded them 17 to 10. They've yeah. pounded everybody, and they have a good now top 20 win over Denver. No losses. They got Furman and Bryant coming up. Carolina at 5-0, and I think it's going to be 7-0 and in a week. And the number one team in the land in the AT top 20, the Princeton Tigers at 4-0. Yeah, you know, of the of the you know five, well six, I guess if we count Dartmouth undefeated teams, the ones that are ranked in the top three, Princeton, Carolina, and Syracuse. I feel like Princeton looks the best. They have the highest quality win with their sixteen to twelve win over what was number one at the time, national champion Virginia. To me, that's why I put them number one. They also pounded Hopkins. They have no losses. With Rutgers coming up, I think they're too good to lose that game. Just like we felt about Hopkins, you've got Mikey Sowers averaging 10.5 points a game and doesn't seem like there's anybody, at least on this planet, that can cover him at this point. Um, you know, if they can continue to compete in the middle of the field to win the ground ball war, they're getting great goaltending out of Peters. They've got a lockdown defender in Vaughn. They have a supporting cast that has emerged as one that's very, very good when you look at their goal production. I mean, 20, 20, 16, and 18, this is a team that, again, could win the Ivy Championship, put a lot of pressure on Yale and Penn and Cornell. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this, this season pans out for them, but I, I'm a big fan of them, and I feel good about them at one. Last week after they beat Virginia, I think I had them at – three two or three and I thought maybe that was aggressive but with the way they looked against Hopkins this past weekend uh, I feel good putting them number one how do you average more than 10 points a game got you gotta you gotta have a great three-pointer right you gotta hit your free throws <laughs> you can't do those things it's tough to average in double digits Jamie <laughs> unbelievable all right so um let's move on to the Oxia time player of the week Wow. Well, you know, out of a lot of great performances, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with Mikey Sowers with the commercial two and seven. You know, this was a huge game for them. After beating Virginia to be able to play Hopkins, it was a little bit of a trap game. It felt that way. You know, Hopkins, we know, has a lot of good players. And while they aren't having a great 2020 season to this point, there's still a team that it seems like they've been able to bounce back after some disappointing games, you know, and that's a credit to, to Petro and BD and, and Bobby Benson, and they're going to need to do it uh, again. But I thought that it could potentially come against Princeton and that Princeton would inevitably have a little bit of a letdown considering yeah. that they beat Virginia and they, um, you know, had a, a, an opponent coming with the pressure on them to win. The pressure was on Princeton to win this game. And I and to their credit, they answered the bell. Um, so I got to go with Mikey Sowers. You know, he, he just gets his points within the framework of their schemes. A lot of slow lobs over the top and, and step down shooters. Hopkins goalie was not good, um, but it doesn't change the fact that Mikey Sowers was two and seven. Sometimes he throws speed lobs. Yeah, they're physically impossible. But if anybody can do it, it's him. He's like Kazoo from the Flintstones. Um, okay, so my Oxia Time Player of the Week is going to another, another Ivy League guy. We used to do the Oxia Time Ivy League Player of the Week. We are currently going with a National Player of the Week because Oxia Time is making watches now for schools 
uh, outside of the Ivy League. And I'm going with John Piatelli with five and three and a huge win at Ohio State. Uh, he's on a team with really a generational talent in Jeff Teeth. Um, but this this guy is really kind of making, like you said, it's making this team go. Um, and uh, I'm so impressed with this kid. Um, he can shoot from the outside. He can break you down. He can change direction. He can feed. He can finish. He can ride. Um, legit player. Yeah, he is really fun to watch. He's changed this team in a big, big way, um, giving them a guy that that you know, he just put takes so much pressure off of Jeff, Jeff T having to beat his guy. And this has got to be a, a really refreshing senior year for Jeff T because of the play of Jack Piatelli. No doubt. Okay, so um, let's do our picks. And instead of going through every single game, Andy and I have decided that we'd like to just focus on the big games, dive in with a little bit of analysis. We, we won't go too long in each one of these, uh, but let's start off. We've got some Friday night lacrosse, 7.30 p.m. East Coast time, and it's Villanova at Penn. Yeah, this is going to be a great game. Um, you know, every time Penn plays, I feel like they're going to win the faceoffs. And if they're able to win the faceoffs, Villanova's going to have a really tough time holding them down. You know, you look at, uh, you know, Villanova's season to date, they let up 12 goals to Maryland's offense, uh, only eight to Hofstra, 10 to Delaware. Uh, but their losses have been, they let up 18 to Yale and 19 to Penn State. Penn's offense is every bit as good as Penn State's offense. And, I think a little bit better than Yale's offense, to be honest with you. So I think Penn is going to win this game um, pretty handily, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Villanova is a scary team. They've had a great start to the season, but I just feel like Penn's going to win the faceoffs and Villanova's not going to be able to hold them down. And I wouldn't be uh, surprised to see a score that's, you know, right in line with that five or six goal margin, just like Yale and Penn State was able to beat Villanova. All right, so Saturday we're looking at a Denver at Notre Dame game as the game of the of that of the day on Saturday. Denver at Notre Dame, always massive matchup, um, and uh, really huge for both teams. I think it's a huge game for for I think it's a little bit bigger game for Denver than it is for Notre Dame. Notre Dame has already beat the top twenty team in Richmond, and they beat them soundly thirteen to five. They lost to Maryland this past weekend soundly, but they do have a top 20 win. Denver doesn't have that yet. Denver's best win is Air Force, 13-7. to And coming off of identical 15-13 to losses to Duke and UNC, Denver, I think, it has the pressure on them to win this game. This is going to be – this. I think it's going to be a really good game, but I think that Notre Dame's going to end up um, winning the majority of the faceoffs with Charlie Leonard provided he's healthy. And I just think that they've got – a little bit more balance between their team defense and their team offense. You factor in their ability to ride um, and that they get coming off a, a, you know, kind of a pounding against Maryland. I, I think that Notre Dame's going to end up beating them. What do you think? Yeah, I think Notre Dame's more athletic. I think, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if Denver, you know, can crank up their offense the way that they have over the course of time, because I know that their defense is not their strong suit right now, which is why teams are jumping on them. Um, and so, you know, Notre Dame obviously hasn't been known as being an offensive dynamic team either. So I don't know how that's going to match up, but I think overall athletically in faceoffs, I give the edge to Notre Dame. It's a home game. Um, and Notre Dame is so masterful in their full field way they play as far as when they want to crank up their riding and clearing Denver traditionally is such a half field team that they'll struggle and when you've watched in games past and years past with this matchup you'll see you know Denver maybe get a lead and then Notre Dame come back because they start applying full field pressure um, and they just kind of crank up the whole tempo of the game um, so I'm going to go with Notre Dame on that one yeah okay Sunday 4 p.m. East Coast time Penn State at Cornell um, one of the most probably the, the, the game I'm most looking forward to just from pure enjoyment is to watch this game. No question. It's the game I'm looking forward to most. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think that uh, I think, I think Penn state's going to deliver Cornell's first loss of the year here. And, and the reason I think that's going to happen is I think that Gerard, our is going to 
control the middle of the field uh, a lot like the Ohio State Buckeyes were able to do this past weekend. But I feel like Penn State's offense is a lot stronger than Ohio State's. And if they're getting the ball 60% of the time, and I think there's going to be a lot of face-offs because I think there's going to be a lot of goals scored. And if our series can go out there and win, you know, 24 out of 35 face-offs, I just think that differential in possession advantage in favor of Penn State is going to be too much for Cornell. But Cornell doesn't match up well with this team uh, unless they have face-off success. If they win, if they win the draws, the, Penn State's not going to be able to stop them either. They're not. And that's why I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. But I just think that Penn State's going to win too many face-offs. Um, and I think that they're going to – I think they're going to win a close game. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Penn State overall has is is, is got the more well-rounded team. Um, but the X factor is going to be goaltending for Cornell. If Ireland can, can make huge saves in this game – that can balance off some of the possession losses that you're going to get on the face-off um, at the face-off X. So I think it's going to be a close game. I would have to go with Penn State, uh, but I'm rooting for the Ivy League on this one. I, I Honestly, I'm really rooting for, for Princeton in general and Cornell in general. I want to see Jeff T. and Mikey Sowers in the NCAA tournament. So, Me too. Me too. I really, think. Those guys that you know, I mean, forget about deserving it. That's just Selfishly, I just like to watch the best players on the biggest stage. So I'm rooting for Cornell, but I'd have to go with the same pick as your vote. Like Penn State. Yep. Well, AT, that was a lot of fun. Uh, great job preparing all that. T- thanks for taking the time. Your insight yep. analysis, all fantastic. Have an awesome week, and uh, we'll check in next week. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days.